thank God for the word of God sent by his messenger, Elder Kenneth Taylor. Let's get behind him and say, preach the word, preacher, in Jesus' name. for all that he has done in my life. God is a good God. I don't have a sad song to sing. I don't charge God foolishly. God has been good to me. He's blessed me with life, health, and strength. He's blessed me with a roof over my head. He blessed me with the Holy Ghost. That's most important right there. Amen. I thank God for what he's just done in my life. I thank him for the wife he blessed me with of 27 years. 27 years, wow. God is so good. She's been a true blessing in my life. I thank him for my children. God has blessed me with some awesome children. Amen. They grew up to be fine young men of good moral character. And I praise God for that. It's nothing but God. It's no goodness of my own. I mean, we, I, we did the best that we could as parents, but God is the one that makes the difference. Amen. There would be no goodness in myself or my wife if it wasn't for God. Amen. So I thank God for what he's doing. I thank God for this church. Amen. And all that this church has been to me throughout my saved life. Amen. I thank God for even this this gathering and this pavilion and the, the ability to take the word of God outside of our four walls. Amen. And share Jesus with the word, with the world. Amen. I thank God for the word on this morning. Amen. For the word that went out that the, the Father wants to help you. Amen. And he's doing everything and has done everything he can to help us. You know, but it's like it's like a you know, if somebody's drowning in the ocean and you throw a lifesaver out to them, you're doing everything that you can do to save them, but they have to grab hold, amen, to that lifesaver. And we know tonight that that lifesaver is the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. And so I thank God for him. I thank him for all he's done in, in my life. Amen. I want to ask everybody to stand, amen, as we read the word of God. And we're going to take our text from Acts, the first chapter. Acts, the first chapter. And we're going to read verses 1 through 8 in concert. Amen. Acts 1, verses 1 through 8. I solicit your prayers tonight. And we're going to read in concert. If everybody have, if you have it, say Amen. Let's read. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus Christ began to do and teach unto the day in which he was taken up. Showed himself alive after his passion and by many infallible proofs 
being seen of them 40 days. And being trans... promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they therefore came together, and they asked of him, saying, Lord, restore again the kingdom of Israel. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm going to have you guys read again the, first, the A part of verse 8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your provision that you have made towards us. Now, Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, that you will anoint me to speak your word, Lord. Let all flesh be silent, including minds, Lord God. Lord, I need you to help me tonight. I cannot do this without you. I need your help, Lord. Touch this congregation. Amen. And touch all that are under the sound of my voice. Lord God, those that are without the congregation, those that are sitting in their car and in their windows listening, and those that are walking down the street, those that are sitting at the stoplight, Lord, allow the word to penetrate their heart, Lord God, and let it make manifest in their heart unto salvation. We love you. We praise you. These and other blessings we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Amen. I want to use for a subject tonight, and we're going to build this from chapter, I mean, verse 8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Amen. I want to use for a thought tonight, when serving God, you're only good as your tools. When serving God, you're only as good as your tools. Amen. It doesn't matter how much knowledge a mechanic has. If he doesn't have the right tools to get the job done, the job won't be done. He can have excellent knowledge. He can have the know-how. He can have the stamina. But if he does not have the proper tools to accomplish his goal, he's going nowhere. Amen. And we as saints of God, amen, we have to have the right tools in order to live up to God's expectation. He tells us, be ye perfect for your father in heaven is, is, is perfect. In another scripture, he says, be ye holy for I am holy. Amen. And God knows that we on ourselves by our own will and our own abilities cannot live up to that expectation. The only way that we can live up to that expectation is with his help. Amen. Is with his tools that he provides for us. And here we are in the book of Acts and he is speaking to his disciples just before he is to ascend into heaven and he, he gives them instructions. And it's time for him to leave them. And they begin to ask a question. Well, are you going to restore Israel? Amen. At this time? And in so many words, you're worrying about the wrong thing right now. And it's not for you to know. This is what I need you to worry about. Listen, I want, don't depart from, from Jerusalem. I know I've taught you. I know I've commissioned you to teach the world. I know that I've teach you to commission you to go out and teach all nations concerning me and what I had to observe, say and all the truth that I had to expound. But right now, I don't want you to do anything because right now you're not equipped. You see, you don't have any power yet. Yes, you have my teachings. You heard everything I commanded, 
but you don't have any power yet. Right now, all, the only strength you're going to have, and I'm, I, first, at least I was with you, I'm, I'm, I'm ascending now. But I told you, remember when I told you I was going to send a comforter back? So I don't want you to go and do no ministry. Don't go do any preaching because you don't have any power yet. But after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. Then I want you to go out and I want you to do the work that I commissioned you to do. We live in a day and age now. There are a lot of people who profess to be Christians. And I'm not throwing those people under the bus because some people are living all that they know to live. Some people are living according to how they were taught. Amen. In my particular case, I've been to church all my life and I heard about Jesus and I heard about him dying on the cross and I heard about him being buried and I heard about him raising on the third day. And I heard about him ascending into heaven. But that was the extent of my knowledge of Jesus Christ. So in theory, yes, I was a believer. I believed all those things. I believed that he, he died and he was, he was crucified on the cross. And he rose again the third day. I believed all those things. But I didn't have any power. I was told that I needed to live a Christian life. I, I heard in the scriptures that uh, uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But I hadn't heard about the power. And so as a Christian growing up, and I would find myself in sinful situations, I would feel bad and I would feel puzzled. Wait, I'm a Christian. Why am I doing this? Why am I getting ready to do this? I know this is wrong, but yet I'm getting ready to do it anyway, and I can't seem to stop myself. And I remember feeling defeated. And I also remember as a teenager feeling like, well, man, if I'm a, just being sin, I'm, I'm just a hypocrite. Well, I'm not perfect. And how can I live this life that the Bible is expecting me to live but I didn't know about the power. Nobody told me about the power. The power. All the preachers I listened to, they didn't explain about the power. Uh, when I look at the 19th chapter of Acts, Paul comes across some believers. They were certain believers. Amen? And they were living all that they knew. They were, had listened to John's baptism. And so he, he knew that they were a believer, but he qualified them by asking a question. He says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you became a believer? Amen. And then they revealed to him, we have not so much as heard if there be any Holy Ghost. Well, that was similar to mine. I had heard the term Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit before. But I didn't realize that was something that you had to have. <laughs> because it had never been taught me. So Paul went deeper into it. He says, well, John verily uh, baptized the baptism of repentance, saying that you should believe on the one that should come after me. That person he was talking about is Christ Jesus. He preached Jesus to them. They received the word gladly, and for that moment, they were, the scripture says they were all baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they all received the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak in tongues. So guess what? Before they didn't have power, but after that incident, they had power. Thank, I thank God for power. Look at the person next to you and say, I thank God for the power. You see, without the power, you cannot live up to God's holy expectations. You cannot live holy without the Holy Ghost. Doesn't that make sense? Amen. And yet, we have millions of believers, millions of people out there, who have some faith in Jesus Christ. We shouldn't discount the faith that they have towards Jesus Christ because that is a starting point. Amen. But our job is to explain the word of God more perfectly. Amen. And do like my mother-in-law uh, says, you know, come on up a little higher, son. Come up, on, come up a little higher, daughter. Amen. 
So we, we have to be careful. We have to be wise with our witness. Don't just discount people. You know, they may not have the Holy Ghost, but if they have some, toward, some faith toward Jesus Christ, use that. Build upon that. Ask the right questions. Find out where they are in their faith. And ask them, have you received the Holy Ghost uh, since you believe? I've done that on multiple occasions. And I've gotten answers like, well, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think so. Oh, really? Well, when did you receive the Holy Ghost? They go into a blank stare. That's my opportunity to witness. Amen? That's the, uh, your opportunity to explain the word of God in a more perfect way. You have people out there, and I believe that there are people out there that are sincere. They haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost yet. But they're sincere with the knowledge that they have. Amen. They're serving on the usher board, and they're faithful. Amen. They're dedicated to that service. But they haven't learned about the power yet. There are people, amen, that are in the choir stand. Amen. They're singing in the choir, and they're doing everything that they know to do in their service to the Lord. But they don't have the power. Why? Nobody told them about it. Or nobody has been equipped to break it down to them. There have been people on the, on the, on the brotherhood staff and the women's auxiliary of a church. And they're, they're faithful to their church. They're always on their post. But they're not equipped to live up, the, up to the expectation of holiness. And unfortunately, some have made it to the pulpit. And have not ever been filled with the power. And now they're instructing other people on issues of salvation. And they themselves have not been filled with the power. So what happens to this believer that has some faith toward Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he was crucified. I believe he was buried. I believe he rose again on the third day. I believe he is the son of God. Amen. And they are correct in all those statements. But yet in their personal lives, they can't figure out, why, why can't I stop drinking? Why, 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 why can't I stop smoking weed? Why, 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 why can't I stop going to the strip club? Why, 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 I'm a deacon, but why, why can't I stop cheating on my wife? Why, 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 I'm on the usher board, but whenever I get mad, I have to cuss. Why, why can't I, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. I can't stop sinning. And then the preacher that's in the pulpit that never got the power in the first place will tell them, well, you know, none of us are perfect. I mean, you, you, you're going to sin. I mean, we're just mere human beings. But he's supposed to be telling them about the power that will deliver you from your sins. I mean, that was the whole purpose of Christ coming. He, God saw that mankind was in a sinful state. And even among his people, the Jews, they had the law, but they could not live up to the holy expectation. So the remedy was God had to step down into mortal flesh, come and dwell among us. Prove that you could live holy in this body. Amen. How did he do it? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. The same spirit that was in Jesus Christ is the same spirit, if you have the Holy Ghost, that he has put in you. Amen. And that is the first two. Remember our text. When serving God, you're only good as your tools. You have to have the power of the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen in here? Amen. Can I get somebody that is a witness of the, of the keeping power of the Holy Ghost? Anybody know what it's like to not have the Holy Ghost, get the Holy Ghost, and then God starts to change the way you think. He starts to change the way you see things. Things that you thought was okay before, now you see the wickedness and the sin in it because God's divine character is starting to raise up in you and now you're seeing it for what it is and now you're beginning to hate sin and now even though your flesh is saying go ahead and do that, no, you love God too much and his divine nature is within you and you start to pull yourself away from that. Well, Lord, I'm still tempted. Well, I got his Holy Ghost and I know not to put myself in certain situations and if my flesh still wants us to keep acting up now well let me just go and put you on this nice little fast 
amen, to get your flesh in subjection. Let me go read some more word. Let me come to Bible study more. Let me make sure I'm in Sunday school because I'm going to do everything I can to live up to God's holy expectations. That's what the church is all about. Yes, the Father wants to help you. Sinner man, sinner woman that hears my voice right now. Yes, God wants to help you. And, want, and he's willing to receive you. He's willing to, to forget all about your sinful history. All you got to do is repent. Come in and get baptized in Jesus' name. And he's willing to wipe your slate clean. Imagine having bad credit and being thousands of dollars in debt. And then somebody just comes and wipes all of that away. That's what Jesus is willing to do for you. He's willing to forget about everything that you've ever done in life. I know some of you think you've done too much. Some of you think that you're too far out there. I've sold too many drugs. I've sold my body too many times. I've just done way too much. God will never accept me. Listen, if you have the heart to hear this word and allow it to penetrate your heart and you have a mind to repent, God, well, he will wash your sins away and he will throw your sins in a sea of forgetfulness and then he will turn around and fill you with the Holy Ghost. And that Holy Ghost will be your starting tool to live up to God's expectation. Can the church say amen? Come on, give God some praise for the truth. He said, John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. That's what the Holy Ghost is all about. There are too many people that attend church faithfully all of their lives and never receive the Holy Ghost. Have never even been taught about the Holy Ghost. So you have people trying to serve God and they're not even equipped to serve God. God doesn't expect you to reach the level of holiness without his spirit. We all understand that we can't do this. Kenny Taylor cannot do this on his own. Amen. And, and, and Kenny Taylor is still a work in progress. I have to, as Paul said, I'm a die, I die daily. Daily we have to fight our flesh. Let me tell you something. This. Your flesh is never going to change. Your flesh is never going to stop suggesting that you do the opposite of what the will of God is. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. Don't you know that the Holy Ghost is the very personality of Jesus Christ? It's the very mindset of Jesus Christ. That's why the scripture says, let this mind, allow this mind to be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. When we receive the Holy Ghost, we're receiving his very personality. And that's why the scripture tells us not to grieve, don't grieve the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Ghost, not only will he allow us to feel horrible if we find ourselves in a place of sin, he lets you know before you get into it. Has, has the Holy Ghost ever tapped you on the shoulder? And, and I'm talking about why you was thinking about it. He ever tapped you on the shoulder? I'm like, what, in the, what you thinking? What's wrong with you? Amen. The Holy Ghost will let you know. The Holy Ghost will not allow you to wallow in sin and be comfortable with it. Isn't God good? You remember before you received the Holy Ghost and you would do wrong and you was proud of it? Oh, oh I guess that was just me. I guess when I was in sin, there were times I was out there doing my thing and was proud of it. Amen. But something about the Holy Ghost, I can't explain, but I got it. How do I know I got it? Because first of all, he spoke out of my mouth in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave others. But beyond that, after the Holy Ghost, when I found myself in a wrong or sinful situation, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't just go on as business as usual. You know why? The scripture says because your sin will separate you from God. Amen. And so when you allow sin into your life, you are not going to be in good standing with God. You can't even pray right. You know how we can go unto our Father boldly, amen, and talk to him when, when we've been doing pretty good. But then when there's a breach, when you done yielded to your flesh, you want to go pray like you normally can, but you can't because you know you've been acting up. You know you got to go get right with God first. 
Amen. That's what the Holy Ghost does. It will lead us and it guides us into all truth. And the Holy Ghost will reform our thinking. Sometimes as saints of God, especially babes, but sometimes not so. Maybe you could be further down in your walk. God will teach you not to put yourself in certain situations. Why? Because you know your, your flesh. And you know if I put myself in that situation, I'm not going to do well. So the Spirit lets you know, don't even go over there. Don't even talk to that person. Caller ID. Don't even answer the phone. Amen. It lets you know not to go into certain situations. And when you do this, you're yielding to God and you're getting closer to God. And if you, if you value, your connect, value your connection with God, you're not going to do things that's going to be offensive to God. It might be okay with you, but since this might be offensive to God, I'm not going to even do that. Amen. Isn't this good teaching? To God be the glory. Go to um, chapter 8. Chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, and we're going to begin reading at verse 14. Say amen when you have it. Still see some pages turning. Acts the 8th chapter, chapter 14, and I'll begin reading now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, keep reading. Okay, so they heard the word of God, right? They received the word of God. In other words, they didn't reject the word of God. They agreed this was the word of God, this was the truth. They received it, so they were believers. Amen? All right, verse 15. Okay, so wait a minute. Now, if they were believers, why did they still need the Holy Ghost? See, I told you there's a lot of believers out there, but they don't have the Holy Ghost. Some is because they haven't been taught it. Others, they've been taught it, they just rejected it. But that's between them and God. But these people have not received the Holy Ghost yet. So they sent Peter and John, right, uh, so they could pray for them to receive the Holy Ghost. And why? Verse 16. For, wait a minute, for as yet, he, who's he? The Holy Ghost, right, had, was fallen on none of them. So watch this. They were believers. They believed the gospel, didn't they? So this proves that just because you believe the gospel does not necessarily mean you have the Holy Ghost. Amen? That's two different events. In order for you to get the Holy Ghost, you have to first believe the gospel. Amen? For he had not fallen on none of them, only read. <coughs> so they, they even had the baptism right. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. By the way, being baptized in the name of, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, there was no name mentioned in that baptism. Jesus commanded them that they be baptized in the name. What name was he talking about? As you study further in the scripture, he was talking about his name, in Jesus' name. And when you go and read the book of, uh, the, of Acts, that's the name that the apostles baptized people in, in the name of Jesus. So these particular people, they believed the gospel even to the point that they were baptized in the name of Jesus. But the scripture said he had fallen on none of them as yet. So baptism alone... Correct baptism alone is not enough. You need the proper tools. You need the power. You have to have the power in order to, the power that produces holiness in order to live up to God's expectation. Is that the truth, saints of God? Amen. Verse 17. Then they laid their hands upon them and they receive the Holy Ghost. When serving God, you're only as good as your tools. You have to have the right tools. Now, thank God for the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. We, those of us that have been filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God give utterance, you ought to thank God for that. That is a blessing in itself to receive the Holy Ghost. But it's just like a baby. You know how you rejoice when a baby is born? You know, they smack the baby, and the baby starts crying, and so we know the baby is alive. And guess what? That baby has just as much life in their body as you do. But that baby still has to be taught. Because at that moment, as a babe, they are totally dependent upon you. Totally. They can't do anything for themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't bathe themselves. They can't go to the bathroom on them by themselves. Uh, they can't even think for themselves. Amen. They're totally dependent. So the journey goes, they have to start being taught. That's what parenthood is all about. If you're not ready for the responsibility of teaching children and raising up children the way they should go, you probably should not sign up for the job if you catch what I'm saying. Amen? But there's a learning and a teaching that goes along. The children don't know how to do anything. As they grow, you begin to teach. As they grow and mature, they begin to learn things. Eventually, they learn how to sit up. Eventually, they learn how to feed themselves. Eventually, they learn how to go to the bathroom without you telling them to go. Amen? Eventually, they learn how to, to, to bathe themselves and feed themselves, and, and they begin to learn how to dress themselves. And as they get older and older, we require more out of our children. When they're five, you don't require of them at five what you would require of them at ten. Amen? Same way with us spiritually. As we grow in Christ, there are some things we ought to be learning. There are some things we shouldn't be tripping over. Amen. Mistakes and, and, and bad decisions that we made early on in our walk with Christ. Amen. Once we get down the road, we should be getting better. We should be overcoming. We shouldn't be falling to the same thing all the time. Amen. You don't, have, you don't expect to have to change your 10-year-old's diaper. No, no, you know better. Your five-year-old, your four-year-old, you know, no. And so you start putting some responsibility on them. Even when they're little, when they're, when they're one and two years old, you just start, like, well, you might not have to go, but you're going to just sit there for a while. Amen? Why? Because we're training them. Amen? There's some times with us in our spiritual walk, God will have us sit there for a while until <laughs> we get the message. Praise God. So there's a learning curve, and we have to have this tool. Now, I want you to go to 2 Peter, the first chapter. Now, we're going to get into a little meat here, amen, because God gives us the blueprint on how to live for him, amen. He doesn't want us to be unequipped, praise God, and we're going to start reading at verse 1, say amen when you have it, amen, let's read, Simon Peter, a servant of to them that have obtained precious faith. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and, our, and of Jesus Christ our Lord. According to his divine power have he given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everybody say life and godliness. Now he's talking to believers right now. Saints of God, he's given us everything that pertains to life, living in this life, and godliness. In other words, if you have the, the Holy Ghost, you have the, the, the number one tool that it takes to live godly. But there are other things that you need to add to this. Amen? Uh, keep reading. Through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue. What is virtue? Virtue, amen. Virtue is the moral excellence, the goodness, the righteousness, the conformity of one's life, of one's life and conduct to moral and ethical principles. 
Holy Ghost-filled people are supposed to have virtue. He's called us to virtue. He's called us to correct and upright behavior. He's called us to non-sinful behavior. I mean, that's a fundamental truth that the church never needs to leave. Yes, we must preach that God is a loving God and he's willing to forgive your sins no matter how far, no matter how far you've fallen. Yes, the church is a, is, a, is a welcoming committee to those that are in sin and, and God is willing to accept you. Yes, you can't bring your sin with you, but you can come into the presence of God, get the Holy Ghost. First of all, God is the one that's going to wash your sins away. You can't even get rid of your sins without God. Amen. So come on into the fold. Amen. And, and we'll do everything. We're going to pray with you. We're going we gonna to teach you. We're going to be a welcoming committee. We're going to be cheerleaders. Amen. Because we want you to experience the same salvation that we're already experiencing. But then once you come into life, once you are born into life, once you receive the Holy Ghost, there's a change that's supposed to happen. There's a metamorphosis that's supposed to take place in your life. You have to come away. Yeah, you come here and shout and have a good time, but you got to change. See, we can't ever get away from that message. Teach the message of love. Yes, God is a forgiving God. He'll receive you, but he, you got to still change. I said you got to still change. I preached a message years ago. Come as you are, but for heaven's sake, don't leave as you came. You, there's a change that has to happen once you come over here. And too, I hate to say it, too many today are afraid of the latter message. We're all about that love message. Come on in, come on in. Now, you ain't got to change after you get here because ain't none of us perfect. See, that's what we're hearing today in mainstream. But our job is to strive for perfection. Amen? The Bible tells us that let's go on to perfection. The Bible says, well, you can't get in by works. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not as though I've already made it. He already died on the cross. and he, I'm going to mess up. He knew I was going to mess up. That's why. He, no, 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 no. Work out your, your salvation with fear and trembling. I'm trying to cross every T. I'm trying to dot every I. I might miss the mark sometime, but it won't be because of lack of trying. So how do we kick the sin habit? What verse did we stop off at? Four? We ready for four? Read. <coughs> Might be partakers of divine. Wait a minute. Partakers of what? Divine. That's the nature that was in Jesus Christ. Bible says we're going to be partakers of that. Read. Having escaped. How do you escape your, uh, the, the, your, your tendency to lust after the things of the world? His divine nature has to be in you. Amen. And now you have to, def you have to feed that divine nature. Amen. Uh, verse 5. Wait a minute, I have faith. It's obvious I have faith or I wouldn't have had the Holy Ghost. Amen? You have to have the faith to receive the Holy Ghost. And they that come to God first believe that he and them that did. So y'all know the scripture, right? So in order, you, in order to have the Holy Ghost, and we already saw in verse 3 that he's called us to virtue. So don't let nobody tell you you don't have to be virtuous. That virtue is a characteristic of a saint of God. Can the church say it? amen? Amen. So besides giving all diligence, we're supposed to be diligent in our pursuit of holiness, in our effort to serve God. It says add to your faith virtue. So let's start by doing everything that you know to do to do what's right. Now some things... We don't know. Some, some things we have to mature into. There are certain lessons that you can teach your 18-year-old that maybe your 5-year-old is not ready for yet. You follow me? So you have to do age appropriately. And God deals with us the same way. 
and his ex expectation as we grow, his expectations of us grows. There's certain things that you might be able to get away with that I won't because Kenny Taylor, you know better. Yeah, yeah, I, I gave you a pass when you were saved for about 10 years, but you 30 years in now. Now, you, you, there's some things you should know by now. Amen. We deal with our kids the same way. You, you, don't, you don't whoop your one-year-old for soiling their diaper. But you ain't letting your five, six, seven, you, eight, you ain't letting them get away with that, right? Amen. It's a difference, a different expectation as you grow. Maturity. Can the church say amen? So you're going to add to your faith virtue, and to that virtue, what you're going to add? So that means, especially if you're a babe, and I would say even if you're not a babe, you should always be in a state, you should always be a student of the word of God. You should always be a student of learning about Jesus Christ. Every time the church door is open for any kind of teaching, you should be there. Unless there's, you know, something extenuating going on, you should be making the time to learn about Jesus a priority. God has to be a priority in your life. None of us, oh, I'm just going to take the night off. No, no, especially if you're struggling. Don't tell me you're taking the night off, but ain't nobody perfect. No, no, there's some things you need to add to your faith. Yeah, we, we know you had enough faith to get the Holy Ghost, but if you're still slipping and sliding and missing the mark, then obviously there's room for you to grow. He's telling you what to add to your faith. Isn't this good? Anybody getting anything out of this? I know y'all ain't going to shout. I'm probably boring to some of y'all, but I know this is good teaching that will get you in heaven if you use it. Amen. So, um, so he says, add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge. Okay, I got a little virtue. I'm, I'm living all that I know, and I got some knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm going to continue to get knowledge. I'm going to keep adding that to it. But to my knowledge, and, and some of us have a lot of knowledge about Jesus Christ, but do we have what it's calling for next? Uh-oh. Temperance. What is temperance? What's that? Self-control. You might be able to quote scriptures 100 miles a minute, but if you ain't got no self-control, you, you need to keep working. If you can't control your tongue, if you can't control going out, if you can't handle somebody flipping you off, <laughs> when you're riding down the street. If you, if you can't handle somebody cutting you off, darting out in front of you, and then slow, purposely slowing down. Ouch. Ouch. Ooh. I'm sorry, y'all. The word just hit me. Anyway, we got some growing to do. Amen? And the Bible says you need to add to this knowledge, you need to add some temperance. Do you realize that not having temperance could cause you to go to hell? Blessed quietness. Okay, so that to that temperance, what are we supposed to add to that? Uh-oh, a lot of us have got, got right there. Patience. How much patience do we have? Hey, man, I used to think that I was pretty patient. And God allowed me to inquire and, and, and endure some things that tested my patience further. Amen. So I'm probably a little more patient today than I was 10 years ago. Amen. Because one thing I found out about God, you can't make him hurry a test. As bad as you, you, you can't pouch your way out of it. You can't have a pity party and get out of it. You can't fall into depression and get out of it. Amen. Your goal has to be heaven. Your goal has to be virtue. Your goal has to be lining up with his godly principles. Your goal has to be hanging on to your integrity. And if those are your goals, then you'll go ahead and add some patience. Amen. Now, look at, now, we done went through virtue, uh, we went from we went to virtue, we went to temperance, we got knowledge, we got virtue, we got faith. Look at the arsenal that we're starting to build now. Because you're adding these things to you, to your faith. And to the patience, what? Godliness. Every 
area of your life should exemplify godliness. Amen? Let me say that again. Every area of your life, since we're trying to be saints, right? Then we sing this morning, I want to be called up. Wasn't we dancing? Come on now. Caught up in the rapture. Wasn't we, wasn't we, wasn't we going in on that? I want to be called holiness without which. Remember that? We sung it, but do we believe it? Do we believe holiness without which no man shall see the Lord? Do we believe that? And then after we got through singing all of that, we got to the end of all that, and then we did it for several keys. I want to be called up. Caught up in the rapture. All right. Is it true? Yeah. yeah. Now, you went with it because you like the beat. You like the bass line. Okay. But do you believe it? Are you applying that to your life? I just want to make us think. We can shout all day. You know, I can get up here and manip manipulate your emotions and make you shout. Oh, he, he really preached this time. He's boring the other time, but he preached today. Yeah, what did he preach about? I don't know, but he sure preached. <laughs> if I could send you away from here thinking seriously about your soul, I've done my job. I've done what I was supposed to do. I'm not looking for your popularity. I'm not looking for a pat on the back. I'm not looking to be, I'm not even looking to be like, I mean, I want to be like, but while I'm standing behind here, I got to do what God says. So, to your godliness, <laughs> what does he say, add? Uh-oh, that's the agape. When you look up that brotherly kindness, oh, that's, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's the next word. Brotherly kindness, how are we treating each other? See, a lot of us are going to miss it there. How much do we backbite? Is backbiting a brotherly kindness? How much, how much, how much, how much backbiting are we doing? Better yet, how much backbiting are we listening to? How many people do you dislike because of what you heard about them versus what you experienced from them? You disliking somebody, and you ain't never interacted with them, but you don't like them because what somebody else, what some other brother said about them or sister said about them. I just want us to think. Brotherly kind, how do we treat each other? One, there's one scripture that says, don't be slowful in business. You know, when we do business, with one another. We ought to treat either, e each other right, whether you one providing a product or service or whether you one uh, uh, patronizing. We need to treat each other right in business. Why not? Because it can cause, you know, there are some people that are in business in the kingdom of God, they don't want to do business with other saints because they want to be able to come to church and worship with them when they're having some ill feelings about what happened in the business transaction. But if we were doing the right thing in business, we wouldn't have to worry about that. In fact, the scripture says we're supposed to be treating each other. We're supposed to give them preferential pre treatment. Now, let me say this. That don't mean, saints, that when we patronize one of our brothers, we should expect a discount. That's not what that means. But that, per that saint that you're doing business with ought to be treating you right. They should be treating you ethically. They shouldn't be cheating you. They shouldn't be doing less of a, of a job because, oh, that's my brother and sister in Christ. The same respect you show a stranger, yes, sir, no, sir, you ought to be showing that same respect to your brother and sister in Christ. Amen? And vice versa. You know, don't go and, and, and get mad at your brother and sister because they didn't give you a discount, but then you go pay the cinnamon top dollar. That saint is in business to take care of their home. That's their, that's, their, that's their way of living. Amen? So we got to do that. Now, some of that is a cultural thing, and we ain't going to go into that tonight. Amen? Some of that, that's a problem in our culture. But I'm just saying, godliness trumps the culture. 
when we come over here. Amen? We hopefully I'll get out of here alive. Start the car, Rashida. <laughs> okay. All right. So brotherly kindness, we got that. Now, this is the next word, charity. Add to your brotherly kindness, charity. And that word charity, if you look it up, it means agape. Of course, there ain't no problem here. This is agape. This is the church that would love you to life. That's right. Amen? Amen? And it is the church that would love you to life. I came here 30 years ago, and this church loved me to life. So I thank God for that testimony, and I'm sure many others have that same testimony. But for those, of, those few of you that didn't get the memo, you got to have agape love. Amen? You have to have that, that, that holy, that divine love, that pure love. Amen? Now, so that was the last thing I mentioned, charity. Verse 8 reads, for if these things be in you and abound. See, these things are not supposed to be in you. They're supposed to be active. They're supposed to abound. He says, they make you that ye shall neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Verse 9. But he that lacketh these things. So wait a minute. So when we get saved, when we get the Holy Ghost, God purges us from the thing. How many of you know about being purged from your old life of sin? Anybody know about that? Anybody know about not having the can't help it? And God come and give you the Holy Ghost? And then, and then all of a sudden, you, the, you, you, are, you are no longer bound to what you used to be bound to? Remember when you used to have to answer that phone? Remember when you used to smell weed and you, you was like Pepe the Plue and started floating through the air? I didn't walk over there. I floated. <laughs> Remember that? And then God filled you with the Holy Ghost and caused you to not even like the smell of that anymore? Took the taste of cigarettes out of your mouth? Took the desire to go and get drunk every other day or every day? Took that desire away from you? Remember when you couldn't stop cussing? And the Holy Ghost came in and... You stop cussing cold turkey, that's my testimony. I ain't judging nobody, that's not their testimony, but that's my testimony. I used to cuss like a sailor, every other word. And when the Holy Ghost came in, I ain't had no problem with not cussing. I ain't knocking nobody that had a rougher road, but I used to smoke two packs of cigarettes every single day. I started smoking at the age of 13. I stopped. The day after I got the Holy Ghost. You hear me? That was 30 years ago. I don't even like the smell of smoke. I don't like being around it. That's what the Holy Ghost does, though. The Holy Ghost, despite several times trying to quit smoking, I remember when I was seeking the Lord for the Holy Ghost, I would come out, come home, from seeking the Lord for the Holy Ghost, and I would throw my cigarettes. I remember one time I threw my cigarettes away. I threw, it, I threw it in the trash can at church. Sought the Lord for the Holy Ghost, didn't get it. Came home and went and bought some more. <laughs> you know why? I ain't had no power. I needed the power. I needed the power. Once the power came, I didn't buy no more cigarettes. I'm going to show you what else the power, the quick testimony. About a week after I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I went over to see my mother. Now, mind you, God just pulled these cigarettes away from me. So I went over to my mother's house. She said, I need you to go to the store for me. I said, okay. I want you to pick up. And her brand of cigarettes was more menthol. Soon as she asked me, I got convicted. But I'm a babe, and I'm thinking... Man, I don't want to offend her. I want to win her to Christ. So even though the Holy Ghost was telling me don't do it, I, I, my, my, my own reasoning, I lean to my own understanding. Well, if I, if I don't do it, she's going to get mad and she'll never come to church. 
So against my better judgment, I went ahead and took her money, and I went all the way to the store. The Holy Ghost is kicking my behind. I walk up. Now, mind you, God just took cigarettes away from me. I ain't been to, to the store to get cigarettes for myself. I haven't even ordered in a, any cigarettes in a week. And I remember walking up to the counter, and as before I opened my mouth, I felt this strong, strong conviction. And then I yielded and I said, can I have two packs of more menthol? I felt horrible. I mean, the Holy Ghost just, it was, it was like I killed somebody. That kind of conviction that came over me just for asking for some cigarettes. Now, my mother's a backslider, so she knew better than to tell me to go get her some cigarettes. I came back to her house. I guess she saw the look on my face. And I gave her her cigarette. I said, Mom, I said, I can't do this no more. She stopped me. She said, I know. You can't do it no more. I know. I knew it when I said you. I said, wow. So don't tell me the Holy Ghost don't make a difference. The Holy Ghost makes a difference. And if you're expecting to live up to God's holy expectation without the Holy Ghost, that's why it's so important to make sure people have the Holy Ghost. It's so important. I don't care if you are tired. If that person hasn't had a true conversion and really been filled with the Holy Ghost, don't tell them that they got the Holy Ghost. You're setting them up for failure. You got people that have been in church for years, ain't never had the Holy Ghost. Am I talking to you? Anybody under the sound of my voice, have you been trying to serve God with no power? Have you been trying to meet God's holy expectations without the tool, the main tool to do so? Let's finish this up. He says, you're blind, you cannot see afar off, and have forgotten that you were purged from his old sins. Verse 10 is what I want. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give ye diligence to make sure your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, what? You shall never stumble. You shall never fall. If you've done all these other things. Examine this list. Next time you find yourself in sin, don't say nobody's perfect. Go back to this list right here and examine yourself and see if you have implemented everything that's in this list. Because I believe the scripture, the scripture says, if I do these things, I'll never fall. I don't ever. So what's my message tonight? There are times that we Holy Ghost filled believers fall in sin. But we don't practice sin. We don't wallow in sin. Eventually, we overcome. Amen? Eventually, we practice godly principles, and we overcome. Why? Because we're going on to perfection. And if you find yourself struggling with a particular issue with sin, go back to this list and examine yourself. I'm serious. I'm dead serious. Go back to this list. And see if you can check off everything. And if you haven't, act accordingly. Amen? And experience the victory in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody ought to say amen. I want to be caught up. I want to be caught up in the rapture. I'm more serious today about my salvation than I've ever been. And none of us know when the Lord is going to crack the sky. Or none of us know when God is going to call our number. And don't wait till, till he calls your number to start looking at this list. You need to be looking at this list now. Scripture tells us to examine ourselves, see whether we be in the faith. That's what I'm challenging each and every one of us to do. Starting with this man right here. I got to make it. I do not want to hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. 
I don't want to wake up one day and hear the news and they say, you know, millions of people have disappeared off the face of the earth. Because if that happens, I won't have to wonder what happened. We already know what happened. You know you lost. Ain't no sense in trying to become a preacher then either. You know, there's going to be people like that. Are they going to be quoting scripture? And they'll be telling the truth. The problem is it'll be too late. I don't want to find myself in that position. Amen. And I don't want you to find yourself in that position. Send a man, send a woman. If you heard this message and any of it resonates with you, amen, I welcome you to come to the church that will love you to life. We have water. All you got to do is repent of your sins. And we have water. We will baptize you in Jesus' name. And if you're sincere and your heart meets, the, meets repentance, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost and give you the power that you need to live up to God's expectations. Let the church say hallelujah. Come on, give God a praise tonight. Is there anybody in our midst that under the sound of my voice that does not have the Holy Ghost? I ask you, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? You may have come here tonight and make...